we were thinking about um, a couple of characters who actually aren't in the city of um, we don't know much about them again, they get the worst. <coughs> but uh, I, I never really give them much attention actually until uh, I got asked to, to speak on this morning. So we look at the character two, uh, and there's his 21 to 28, so it's just really beautiful. Bibles, it's got page 74 in church Bibles. Move to verse 21 28. And then today, when it's time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, laying the angel of the kidney kidney, for he had his BBC. When it's time to make purification, he called him the Lord, and he said, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn that day is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. And there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents called in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the Lord required, Sovereign Lord, as we were promised, you have this mystical servant of peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. As be a sign of his <coughs> so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. A sword will pierce your own soul too. There's also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Fanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years before, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And Joseph and Mary did everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their home hometown of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and grace of God was upon him. <coughs> so, uh, <coughs> the three, three characters in this um, story is Mary and Joseph. And, um, yeah, just to put it in context, Jesus is about 42 years old, 42 days old. At that is fine. So he's been circumcised, and we very Joseph for going to And the story is really about as such. But what happened there a couple weeks ago about very Joseph before they that sacrifice they're doing? That sacrifice of the first son was a lamb, but there is before we had a son, and very Joseph did Jesus. But then we introduced characters in the story, Simeon and Anna, and we don't know much about them. They neither of them appear anywhere else in the Bible, so they come in and they're out uh, after these, these few verses. So, you know, Simeon comes in verses um, 25 to, to 35, and you know, we, we don't know much about it. Um, you know, he might have been a priest, he might not have been a priest. Uh, he, you know, certainly low level, you know, in the sense that you, know, you, you wouldn't think he wouldn't be special. But we would spend more time talking about his character. 
And um, he says, well, what did you think about his character? He says that yeah, he's righteous. Uh, he says that he's devout. It says that he's living in, in um, looking after the constellation of Israel, the message uh, translated as he's living his life in prayerful expectancy, which I, I, I love. Uh, and it says the Holy Spirit's on him. So you've got this picture of this, this guy who we don't know much about him. Um, the world probably doesn't know much about him, but clearly God knows about him in terms of how he is and who he is. You know, he, he, he's on God's radar. Um, and God's already said to him, look, you're gonna, before you die, you're going to see on side. And so it tells us that you know, the Holy Spirit prompts him to go to the temple, he goes into the temple, and he sees this ordinary baby, he realizes, God, this is your, this is your Messiah. And then he moves into a prophecy, and these prophecies got two parts. Um, and in verses 29 to 33, when he says, uh, you know, he, he grabs hold of this is the enormity of what I'm looking at in this baby. And at this point, actually after this point, nobody else gets that. Yes, you see is that God, this is your plan of salvation, not just for Israel, but for the whole, whole world. Um, and then there's also another prophecy, this is 33 to 35, I'll come back to this in, in, in a moment, but this was less well known, this is harder. And it says that actually, look, this child is going to cause the rising and fall of the many in Israel. This child is going to force people to go on to themselves. And this is going to be painful for you, Mary. Then you've got Hannah. So um, we know less about what Hannah said, but we, we get to know a bit more about her. Uh, she's in verses 36 to 38. So we know she's very old. There's a bit of confusion here. Was she 84? Was she a widow of 84, 84 years? The, the, sort of the translation isn't you know, completely clear, but the point is she's very old for a widow. Um, in a lot of stuff. So she, again, she's on the fringes of society. She was uh, she's a lady. But we're told that she spends her time in the temple. She's the tribal basher, and you can trace the assessment back. The tribal basher is the common tribe of Israel. This way is exactly how you can trace the lineage back. It comes from Leah's servant, you know, your Old Testament, Leah would be unfavorable life, or at least make a wife of Jacob, and it's her servant that gave birth to Asher. So she's, you know, the whole tribe is on the edge. Uh, tell you that the father was something called Fangal, which he thinks has got, and you know, people contest it as a reference back to um, what Jacob meant for it. But the point is, again, it's not, you know, she had no heritage, she had no status, but it was a character. It was told that she spent her time in the temple worshipping, fasting, and praising the God. And again, a bit like singing, Jesus to So he, you know, she looks at this ordinary baby and realizes, God, this is what we're about to do through this, through this baby. And um, then Joseph, it says that you know, they're amazed at the end of the sin's first, first prophecy. I think up to this point, you know, we know that the angels come to um, Mary and, and to Joseph, but it seems to me they've not grasped the significance of what's going on. You've had the shepherds, you've had the kings. But I wonder at this point in time if they realise the enormity um, of what they're, yeah, what they're holding in, in, their, in their arse. So we've got these two ordinary people singing and two ordinary people in the eyes of the world who are known to God, but actually God's speaking through, through them. And, and you, you can read through the Old Testament. Um, a core principle is there are two witnesses. 
and you go back to the voice of things happening to you too. And you know, this is God's symphony, witnessing the two witnesses in the Bible of the Messiah. So that's what I said this morning, the two things that we think about in relation to um, Sydney Man. What, what is the difference between Sydney Man and Sydney And the first thing is this uh, it's, am I seeing what God is doing? Am I seeing what God is doing? So, set the context. Um, God hasn't spoken for 400 years at this point. You know, kind of, uh, yeah, people of Israel feel they're, they're chosen, they haven't heard God's voice, and they're under the right complication. It's all, it's all going wrong. But, sitting out among anybody else, they're actually able to see what God is doing. So you look at you know, the scripture, the Old Testament verses around Isaiah, and the scriptures about forecasting you know, the, the coming of Messiah. They got it right, and nobody else did. They were actually able to see Jesus when the rest of the church couldn't. And you know, fast forward 30 years, you, know, you get to a stage where you know, Jesus is doing miracles, and people around still can't see who he is. The disciples don't get who he is. It's only even get to after the crucifixion and Acts, because people stop the door, they stop the door, people, this is the enormity of what's happening here is isn't salvation just for the Jews, it's for Gentiles as well. So why did God, and why was Simeon and Anna able to see what God was doing? And yeah, partly it was because God revealed it to them, but you know, got me thinking, and why did God reveal it this, this and that? Why were they able to see something that nobody else around them was able to see? I think it comes back to a couple of things. Yeah, first is their character. I didn't spend a lot of time with both, with both of them, just have to have their character. Um, they're sitting in fact righteous, and he's devout. Yeah, he's going to be used to full of the Holy Spirit. Um, and the second thing I think that I've got revealed to them is that focus. Yeah, they both centered their lives around God. Just goes quiet and the email stops and pretty much everybody's off. 
And uh, it's very reflective time to a give the fact that the other song is uh, yet to come. And so, kind of challenged me that, okay, so what, what why, how do I see the panel and see what we're just doing? It's because they have a character and they're focused. Which then kind of throws me in 2017, what habits can I that put me in that place so I can see what I'm doing? A bit like when you look at that into the camera series and the effort of the camera series to get the camera in the right place to get the right sequence. Yeah, so much work goes into it. What can I do? And you can't create spiritual proof in the process if that's just impossible. But you know, like Martin was known, the heart forces seem to drive that you can put the seed in the right conditions. You can put it in the right soul and give it the right watering and nutrients and the right temperature and the right light, and then you get going. So you've got to be thinking, what, what is it that we can do in 2017? What puts up some, um, you know, some, some ideas there? What just encourage us, and probably some of us are doing some of these already. Uh, we're sitting in an app with all the people, but actually they were able to see what work was doing. And I just got out of challenge to you, it's just challenging it with parents. What can I take off this list and do something to go sentiment? We've been uh, we've been serious in animation. Uh, this term is called called cool, crazy love and they want to be listed. That's coming, coming through is um, the life is a bit like down the escalator. But if you want to go up a down an escalator that's going down, you put a lot of effort into it. If you just stand still, it will naturally go up. And um, you know, tilt sort of, you know, uh, well, yeah, I think, oh, let's go out, let's go, let's go through school, we want to have a down an escalator and uh, film ourselves. Then uh, that probably a bit, bit irresponsible. But you know, the point is, if we want to be able to see what God is doing, we've got to pass those original and run up that downward escalator. Because actually, if other things be equal, we will be going backwards. The current of life takes us away from God. So, unless we, um, as people here, can develop some of these habits, the abilities that we have to see even the effort of the camera that goes into that bird's get a shot. We need to put the effort in to put ourselves in that position where actually we can see what we're doing. It's similar to Anna for old people, but to clear the hungry year that it's done the lifestyle that put them in a position to see what God was doing that nobody else in Canada could see. Actually, they, they, they could. So, the second question perhaps the first is, can I see what God is doing? The second is, this. it's the going to be shot. By what God is doing. My will is be shot by what God is doing. As we um, get to Christmas, there are actually some children at Christmas. We take the bits and we need that we want from the story and we, we water it down to be acceptable to us, perhaps not too offensive. But um, throughout the years, you know, God comes on his terms, not my terms. I'm just going to um, you know, read again the Simeon's. Simeon's second prophecy. It says here, this is Simeon talking to Mary about Jesus. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that we spoke against, 
so that thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Okay, part of the reason that the rest of the establishment didn't see um, Jesus either now or in 30 years' time was that they had to preconception what the signs would look like. Yeah, they thought the Messiah was going to come in on a white charger, overthrow the Romans, and restore Israel to, um, to the glory. But that wasn't God's plan at all. God wanted to come in a different way. And their preconceptions got in the way of them seeing how God actually wanted to, wanted to move. And as I said in the Bible, what I find is that actually God's turned off of our tentacles. Quite hard to grasp. Uh, yeah, Simeon talks here about this chance to cause the falling and the rise of the men of Israel. Jesus amends because God comes and says, This is who I am. This is who you are. The you know, God, you've got no chance of having. However good you are, you're not good enough. But He is grace, it's free, but you can do nothing to earn it yourself. And some people, you know, struggle, struggle with that. And <coughs> Yes, yeah, one of the questions to me is that more restrictions might not be And where God tries to hold on to modern terms rather than accepting him on his terms. <coughs> and when God comes, often those terms aren't what we expect, but when God comes here, it's not what the Jews expected. The second thing is that you know, God's priorities aren't always going to be my priorities. And yeah, we learn from uh, you know, Helen said a couple of weeks ago that the Indian comes to Mary and says, You're blessed, you're blessed. Then you are going to have a big number of Jesus. But Simeon says here, You're going to have a sword. You're going to have a lot of energy. You're going to have to watch your son's die. So here you are, you've got somebody who's blessed, and God's saying, So you're going to make me draw a lot of pain. That's why that, I thought that Helen Rosebeer's reflection was really sounding good. If there's somebody who says, God, oh, I do not like you, and yet she's terrible. And the question to me is, do I get what God's real priorities in my life are? God's real priorities in my life that I'm close to him. And that uh, for our lives too. And that uh, if God wants to use us to bring about his, his kingdom. And that, that dwarfs everything else that goes on. So God's priority in my life is not good comfortable. God's priority of our lives when we get close to him. The Jews' priority at times to overthrow the Romans. That wasn't God's priority. God's priority in the salvation of the world. Actually, God didn't use the Roman Empire. Yeah, he can use the Roman Empire to kind of step in possible quite quickly. But it's also the persecution the Roman Empire would bring to kind of force the church to center. And that was God's plan because the salvation of the world was God's bigger priority. And the challenge to me is that you know, when I try to get caught in my box, my mother would in my mind, I actually recognise who it is. Um, yeah, I had a tough few months in work, and um, there was a moment in September or October I met Moses, and I was really struck by how God took Moses into the And in the interim, Moses, um, yeah, Moses had a leadership training for what? And God said he wasn't ready. Yeah, God took him to the desert for 40 years to, to build his character. And it got me thinking about um, the desert experiences. Often our, our response to desert experiences is to run away and get out as fast as we can. 
Whereas actually, those are just responsible for turning into it and learning before you could have let shape his character. You know, I've got a lot of challenging meetings with them, like all of us, you know, I, I want to be successful, I want to succeed in what, what I do. I've got a lot of these people who say, Paul, if failure gets you close to me, are you willing to embrace failure? If failure gets you close to me, are you willing to embrace failure? That's a difficult question. But it's coming back to this, you know, have a great idea of what um, the civilian sense in there now. Look, God's priorities are people are priorities. And there's a couple of consequences of that. The first is that, you know, if we align ourselves with God's priorities, mm-hmm. it, there's going to be a cost for us. It's inevitable. We can put it really graphically in terms of you know, what it costs to have a growth of it. And the second thing is that, um, you know, if we want to live according to God's priorities, we're going to live. And one of the challenges that um, we've been working through in the and is, as church, we're actually false perception for how we sort the churches is very different how we sort ourselves. One of the things we've been looking at is, um, yeah, we're really cool and Christian is a contradiction. Yeah, that's something that's still we feel for ourselves. It's not false perception. Yeah, what does that mean? So, yeah, when I'm looking at stories sitting around, what I've seen is if people are able to see what God is doing, but also people who were willing to be shocked by what they didn't put these preconceptions around, God, this is how I want you to move. I want you to fit inside my priorities. And they recognised that, oh, God, you're going to move how you can move. And this Messiah is not going to be Messiah's nutrition, which is it. It's going to be Messiah's nutrition, salvation of the whole world, and it's not about military things. <coughs> so, to be a man, and then outsiders. They know these um, to the world. But actually, the false artists, they were hugely significant. They're actually old, but they're made just a matter. I think you know, one of the things that uh, uh, I look at always is putting these false artists on down. And they saw what God was doing, they opened to what God was doing, and it came out who they were in character. And they faded on that intellect, they visited about years, they visited about social status. Yeah, faith of God is that availability. It's just saying, God, I want to put myself in that place where I see what you're doing, I'll be open to you all on your, your terms. And so we've got this old couple, or you know, old two old people, who are totally insignificant. But actually, then the first people, probably the only people for the next 30 or 50 years, who are able to see the enormity of what God is about to do in, in Jesus. We're going to have communion and um, yeah, I guess it's you know, being about me and God what he said to me and moments of what he wanted for me in 2017. But I'm going to throw out three possible responses you might want to consider um, because we go into communion. The first is, God, oh, I want to see what you do. I really want to see what you're doing. And if I look at my office environment, my school environment, my life, the situation that involves me, my friends, God, I want to see what you do. Yeah, I want to have that equivalent of a high definition camera going into the infrared to show you all that life I can see. God, open my eyes to what you're doing in situations that I'm involved in. So that might be one response this morning. I'm struck by 
having time reading the New Testaments. Um, you know, Jesus just buried down the road, walking along the side, going about walking the business and the seats. I'm not going to be that person on a plane or on a train or a lift. I'm open enough to God to nudge me and see what God is seeing in some way around me. Second response might be look, we need to let go of some preconceptions about how God can move. You know, we might need to um, just accept actually trying to limit, limit God. Okay. Um, we might, yeah, might just accept that. We can try to limit God. We've got to be in our hearts and accommodate God in our priority. And that's something we need to repent of and just imagine yeah, God. I take it from my preconceptions. That's one of the things we want to be the seven grace we have to pray, I'm going to be able to Or, what are you being through those two? On which basis, people simply know how to do it here. They get behind what God is doing, they recognise what God is doing, and they put themselves behind it. And bless it. If I know where you are, we're going to the union moment, and but, you know, I'd encourage you to do some symbolic. Come back to that escalated illustration. It's really easy to drift backwards. It doesn't take any effort. You know, moving forward takes effort to get up that down this way. But life takes us away. You let go of muscles. Let go of your eyes. We won't see what God's doing. So I'd encourage you to get somebody around you this morning to pray for you. Now that's the foundation. Um, um, you know, people to be available to pray um, for people who want to be able to pray for somebody. They know it's spoken to over a grand couple of places in the church. But um, now they're going to pray for me in the past few months. They'll speak to me. It's not about it. It's not about age. And so I just encourage us to get on that side this morning and actually do things simple. They say, God, I want to see what you're doing. I want to put myself in that place where. I'm moving where you're moving to for 2017. Whatever that might look like for you, 